You're listening to a sermon podcast for a time like this from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. This painting on the other side of the table, was done by Helen Lyons way back in 2004, in the very first Easter season that St. Benedict's Table observed together. On the fourth Sunday in Eastertide that year, a Sunday known as Good Shepherd Sunday on account of the imagery in the reading from the Gospel according to John and the 23rd Psalm, Well, that Sunday, like this Sunday, I preached about shepherds. And specifically, I spoke about the way many of the typical portrayals of Jesus as good shepherd show him as a very clean, very neat, very tidy shepherd. But that, in fact, shepherding was hard and dirty work. How that was not an unimportant thing to keep in view when we think about these texts, about this imagery. Well, the very next Sunday, Helen arrived with this painting in hand, portraying a shepherd with big, work-worn, dirty hands, his clothing and his face smudged with gray and black. Well, that painting has hung in my bedroom over the dresser ever since, but it always makes its way back here on this fourth Sunday in Eastertide. Now, it wouldn't have been entirely out of line for Helen to have incorporated a woman or a child in the painting, as they were often the ones entrusted with caring for the flocks. Though on a Sunday in which Jesus is so clearly identified as our shepherd, That portrayal makes a whole lot of sense. I like to think of Jesus as being unafraid of getting a bit of dirt embedded in his hands as he goes about doing his work, both in the days he walked the dusty roads of Galilee with his followers and now. We can be rather grimy characters after all and need that kind of a shepherd to tend us. At that time, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. Now, it's not unimportant to recall the setting for this teaching. The story that precedes it is the one about the healing on the Sabbath day of a man who was born blind. That act has caused some real consternation for some of the Pharisees. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who's a sinner 
perform such signs. So back and forth they go, questioning the man, then his parents, trying to get clarity as to what has actually happened. But behind their investigation is one key question. Is this Jesus from God or not? Now these teachings that pick up on the imagery of shepherding start there with the Pharisees confused and searching and questioning. Though John is quick to note, Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And here, Jamie Clark Soule's comments on how John showcases Jesus' habit of conveying truth, not propositionally, but poetically. Jesus carries on about sheepfolds, gates, thieves, sheep, and gatekeepers, strangers, and voices. After five verses, he pauses and notes that they haven't got any idea what he's talking about. So what's an effective speaker to do at that point? Explain the figure of speech? Drop the use of metaphor? Apologize for using such elevated speech and dumb things down? Put it all in simplistic terms? Maybe... But that's certainly not what our Lord and Savior did. Rather, he again throws out the same word pictures. The whole Gospel of John is nothing if not a piling up of metaphors, figures of speech. How else are we to convey the truth about God? How else indeed? And so... Jesus continues looking into their confusion and unknowing. He continues, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits. The sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The imagery is shifted sideways a little bit from shepherd to the gate. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the one and only entry point to life, imaged here as the pasture. I am not a thief. I don't come to steal or prey on the sheep. And this talk of thieves and bandits, who, who does Jesus have in view? Well, perhaps it's the zealots trying to coax the people into rebellion against the Roman occupiers. Perhaps it's the Herodians, those Jewish people who've comfortably accommodated themselves to Roman rule. Maybe it's the Pharisees themselves, who in other places Jesus critiques as being blind guides, who lay heavy burden of religious legalism across the shoulders of a people who are hungry for God. I'm not like that, he's saying to them. I'm not a thief. But instead, as he says with the greatest clarity in the, in the verse that follows directly on what we read tonight, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. As N.T. Wright summarizes it, 
In these teachings, quote, Jesus is posing the question, how will you tell God's true appointed king when he comes? The answer is that you can tell the true king the same way you can tell the true shepherd. The sign of the real king is the response that comes from the heart. When people hear his voice and in love and trust follow him, this is what I'm doing, is his message. This is what gives substance to my claim to be sent by God as Israel's true king. Now the connection that Bishop Wright is making between shepherd and king now is an important one. Kings and rulers were quite commonly seen as shepherds to their people, both within the tradition of Israel and in Greek and Roman political thought. Caesar, in fact, was imaged as a shepherd, a good shepherd to his subjects, which might have worked well if you were a citizen of the empire, not so much if you were a Judean or a slave, a woman, or an indentured servant, or, or, or. In Israel, too, there were shepherd kings and leaders who favored the powerful over the vulnerable, just as Caesar did. It's in clear evidence in a stunning indictment of those leaders uttered by the prophet Ezekiel when he writes, Ah, you shepherds of Israel, you've been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed. And you have not sought the lost. But with force and harshness, you have ruled them. Well, as Ezekiel's prophetic utterance continues... God is identified as the one true shepherd, the one who will gather the lost, bind up the wounded, nourish the starving. By extension, unless a human leader, in that case king, in our context perhaps priest, unless a human leader is prepared to acknowledge that God is the true shepherd, they themselves can be no shepherd at all. And so here, the words of Psalm 23 begin to sing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters, restores my soul. Even walking through the darkest valley, with the valley of the shadow of death, as older translations had it, I will not be afraid of any evil, for the great good shepherd's staff and rod protect me and comfort me. I don't do this on my own steam or of my own accord, and I don't determine my own destiny because, frankly, I can't. I am part of a shepherd's flock, the shepherd's flock, we are a part, but isn't that good? 
Not that things don't get difficult. Witness the days we're in. Not that there aren't things of which we could rightly be afraid. The psalm acknowledges the reality of dark valleys and of evil and will go on to refer to being in the presence of my enemies, my adversaries, no doubt. Yet even in the presence of those enemies, the shepherd sets out a meal for his lamb, anoints his head with oil, fills his cup so full that it brims over. Enemies and dark valleys aren't meant to overwhelm us with fear and anxiety, not when we stay close to the shepherd, but do stay close. The long tradition of this psalm being associated with King David is notable here. David, of course, was the shepherd boy who became Israel's most beloved king named a man after God's own heart, but also a man who knew what it meant to be pursued by enemies, a man who knew the pain of betrayal by his own son Absalom, the man who fell badly, oh so badly, when he neglected the core truth that the Lord was his shepherd and determined instead to make his own choices cut his own path, set his own values, take Bathsheba because he wanted her, arrange to have Uriah killed because he was a potentially embarrassing inconvenience. David had not always stayed close to his shepherd, and it caused so much damage, so much hurt. Now look again, as you can, at the painting those big, work-worn hands on Helen's good shepherd. Look at those hands and listen to a few closing thoughts from Jamie Clark's souls as she writes, Read Psalm 23 to me while my eyes are closed and ask me how I do or don't experience God as a shepherd. If Psalm 23 is read along with the 10th chapter of John, the listener will immediately hear the connection. Inundate me with shepherd language from the Hebrew Bible. Show me the places in John where this theme recurs. If you do this, I will discover that John wants me to understand that I am known by name, constantly cared for, never orphaned or forsaken. And we are not. We're not forsaken, orphaned, or forgotten, even or especially in days like these. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church, including further resources during these days of the COVID-19 global pandemic, or to provide support for our online work, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. Thanks for listening.